Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> that's a different, little different opening. Usually I say howdy, y'all. Um, okay, uh, we'll do a little bit of a pre-show here. Act should be here in a little bit. Um, starting off with this really interesting news about Seattle. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, you know, necessary follows on for, for hockey, for anybody, for hockey fans or reporters like John Shannon or Elliot Friedman were sort of caught a little bit by surprise that it took only 12 minutes for 10,000 people to uh, put down deposits for uh, season tickets for the new, the potentially new Seattle franchise. And I guess it's over 20,000 now, Russ. So, I mean, that's a good sign. That's really a good it's sign. It's a great sign. Um, are we sure it's not Paul Allen just calling and hanging up and calling and hanging up and calling and hanging up? I mean, he's no, good no, for it. No, yeah, but he's good for it, but he also yeah. owns two other teams. Yeah, but, yeah, usually, but that doesn't matter. Usually, though, when it's, a, when it's something involving Microsoft, it's some sort of scam where they're calling you trying to get personal information, and then they <laughs> ring up your credit card. So no, I but this know. is a big deal. I mean, I've only been out, out to Seattle once, but just the time I was out there, I could tell it was a really good sports city. and. They look. They've been clamoring for hockey. It's not like they they've never had hockey. They've had hockey there, but they've never had it at at the highest level. And I think that makes a difference. And they're going to have you know an arena now that they'll they'll be proud of. They they you know again they were playing in Key Arena in the WHL, and that's it wasn't great for hockey. Now they Key have Arena's a chance to right that wrong. The only thing Key Arena is good for is concerts. I've spent a lot of time in Key Arena. I know Seattle very well. Like I don't even like I can drive there. I can go through. I don't need a map. I've spent so much time there. It's ridiculous. I have been saying for years that Seattle is a bad idea, mm -hmm. and I'm prepared. I'm prepared to eat my words. Um, this really surprises me. Seattle is a funny place. It's a cool city. It's, it is. They they love their sports. They do, but they're very devoted. I mean, it is a Seahawks town through yeah. and through. It was a Sonics town, and it's a Mariners town. Since the Sonics have left, it's really become a Seahawks Mariners town, and they've and they've really taken on obviously the Sounders, yeah. with MLS. I, I, but, but the Mariners haven't really done anything in no, years. No, but they, they're still supported, Russ. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, they still are. It's a destination place. You can you can tell the passion when it comes to the Sounders. I saw that I saw something yeah. on the uh, like Real Sports with Brian Gummel where they did a story on how. You know, it's at the level of the uh, of European fans when yeah. it comes to soccer. The the how devoted they are to that team, and it's yeah. only been there. You know, it hasn't been there long. No, so you know, this is great for Seattle. I mean, Key Arena is an abysmal hole. Like, yeah. let's be honest, it I, really I, you is. You know, I went there for a basketball game in there last year. I liked it. I thought the crowd was lively. I had yeah. a good time. No, the the arena is is very dated. And it was it was a weird construction to begin yeah. with. Like it's just not a great building right. for sports. Like it just it does need. I mean, you couldn't run anything in it well, until you I, renovated it. I mean, I, I so think good for them. They're going to get it done. Um, they're going to get their season tickets. I'm just really curious, like what the price points are, yeah. and wh whether this is another case of great. You've got a wealthy owner who comes in, pays the expansion fee. You you get your team, but the dollar point, though, which you have to pay for tickets, doesn't yeah. cover the cost of operations because now you're competing with sponsorship dollars, right. which you need in the NHL because you're a gate-driven league, not uh, a broadcast-driven league of revenue. Well, well, and one, that's going to be the kicker is what's the price point of these? So the one good thing, and first of all, Jerry Bruckheimer, who's going to be a part owner of this franchise if they do get do get it uh he was whipping up the seattle vancouver rivalry and how 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 out of bounds it will be uh when when they and then there's that's very possible like you said hey, that, i love jerry but what's his last good movie god is doesn't he do, doesn't he and i'm not saying these are good movies doesn't he do the uh transformers ones oh yeah, does he? he he was csi too yeah, I mean, okay. he's got he's got boatloads, Russ. Oh, I know he's got boatloads. I just I just don't know what he's been up to lately. But I've interviewed the guy. I think he's a great guy, and he's a huge hockey fan. Well, yeah. one of the things is is I think what's going to help a long go a long way in Seattle is having an owner like him, yeah. someone who's got a little bit of that Mark Cuban kind of star power, is going to help. 
I without think so. the ne- without the negative aspects of my, that Mark Cuban is going through yeah. right now. Um, but yeah, no, and I I also think that the excitement and and the the fervor right now about Seattle sort of stems from the success that Vegas has had. I mean, it's not it's it's extremely out of the ordinary that a, that a that an expansion team is doing as well as Vegas has not only at the box office but on the ice as well. Oh, so, oh yeah. who's that directed at? Yeah, I mean, what Vegas is doing is unprecedented, and you know, you know, once they, you know, if they get their franchise, there's going to be a lot of conversations and trips to Vegas by anyone in Seattle to figure out what's going to happen. You know, but how they're going to build that. Here's, here's something we're talking about this week and starting tomorrow on my serious show that falls into this. You know, Vegas has a shared affiliation with the Chicago Wolves. They really need to get their own place, like you know, like a kid who's been on your couch too long. You kind of wonder what's Seattle going to do with that. What are they going to use for an AHL franchise? Like that's something now that if I were the NHL, I would almost work out a deal with David Andrews and make teams that are brand new have an affiliation right off, right out of the hopper, because otherwise things go askew for the uh, for the kids when they start rolling in. Yeah, I think I think the best thing that could happen is if you get, you know, you get another or, or find a franchise in the HL that's in the Western Division that you can get teams there. And the right. best thing that could also happen on that front is Vancouver moving. I not no offense to Utica, but they got to get their farm team over on the coast, get it into the circulation with those other teams that are on the on the West well, I Coast. I thought they're too. part of Abbotsford, no. No, they're in Utica. No, Utica. I still, who's in, oh, the Flames are in Abbotsford. That's no, no, they no, were. No, they're gone. They're so gone. nobody's in Abbotsford right no, now. No, they're nobody's they're in northern they're in northern Northern California. I can't. Okay, remember. so Abbotsford's open. That's a good opportunity yeah. then. Peter, I was actually surprised when there was that reorganization in the AHL and it was Bakersfield and Ontario and all these teams that went out west. That the, the Canucks were not part of that. I mean, they, they used to be Manitoba, which may, which yeah. made which made a bit of sense because that was, you know, a, a Winnipeg to to Vancouver flight. But, not, you know, Utica to, to Vancouver, you know, you got to call this guy up three days before if you need him. It's, I know. It's insane. It, it, it's goofy, and, and I've never really understood how the Canucks ended there. They had a bit of, you know, they had some hiccups Yeah. Um, with that, and I don't think it was really something they planned on having to deal with, and it became a scramble. But, I mean, they've talked about going to Abbotsford, Mm-hmm. The problem is the Abbotsford Arena is a financial mess, and that's why the Flames got out of it. There was, you know, anyone who's gone there has wanted the city to start covering losses if you bring, and Abbotsford doesn't have that kind of, I mean, yes, it's a nice suburb of Vancouver, but it doesn't have the, it, the city, the municipality doesn't need to take on that responsibility of propping up a, a minor pro sports team. So, I mean, there's options, and ideally it would be great if they could, but there's a lot of financial aspects of the Abbotsford arena and how teams have come in there to, to sort out before anyone takes that. Okay. Let's start the show. And I got a couple things to talk about uh, here. Um, Hello hockey world. Today is Thursday, March 1st, 2018. I am Peter Tessie coming at you from uh, balmy Winnipeg today. Plus temperatures, snow is melting. Life is good. I'm Russ Cohen from sportsology. We have no snow. We haven't had it in weeks. Yes, and I am Michael Agello, and we're preparing for snow apocalypse here in Buffalo. Five to ten inches of snow, and actually, weather was part of a little bit of news uh, today about the outdoor game in uh, Annapolis. We'll talk about that a little later. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Eklund will be with us hopefully shortly. Um, start off with you know the, the post deadline, and we'll you know it, it'll it'll be appointment television on Saturday when they have the Saturday night headlines on Hockey Night in Canada because what will start to bleed out is the trades that almost happened and didn't happen for, for one reason or another. And, you know, obviously we talked, we talked about Carlson yesterday with the, with Kevin Allen and that, you know, Vegas was into the, you know, the last point, you know, probably half hour before the deadline before that got shut down. But there's a, there was a report here that the Flyers kicked tires on Mike Hoffman, which I can see because Hoffman's, controllable for I think another two years at a fairly reasonable five I think it's five point one something cap hit which is that's not out of the ordinary and he's a good scoring speedy winger uh and the ask apparently was a first round pick and Travis Sanheim and the report was like it said 
Needless to say, any negotiations or discussions didn't advance much far, farther than that. I don't think that's an unreasonable price for a, a winger like Hoffman. Russ, I mean, you see, you've seen Sanheim. You know the Flyers system. They're loaded on defense. Why would they balk at something like that? Well, a couple reasons. First one is he is their best defensive prospect. Okay. And if you want to get Ratko Gudis out of there in a couple of years – or you want to get Andrew McDonald's contract out of there next, or if you're looking for something like that, he is your next guy. I know everybody's looking at Sam Moran, but Sam Moran still has, you know, inequities in his game. He might get in there still for a certain amount of time, but Sanheim is the long range plan. So Sanheim is worth more in the future than what Hoffman is now. And I think Hextel looks at that and says, why am I going to trade him and a first and pay, you know, $5.1 million? Like, all of that doesn't equal into what he's trying to do there. You know, I, I think that's sound logic, Russ. I also think there's probably, and this is more from a, a fan perspective, based on how the Flyers have behaved under Hextall. I don't think there's a group of people that are as so confident, borderline arrogant about their group of prospects as Flyers fans are. And I think that stems from how the organization's done everything to protect them. They haven't wanted to give up draft picks in the past. And in fact, this is the first year I think Hextall's made a deal where he's traded traded draft picks since he became GM. And that's part of what his plan is, right? Is he's stockpiling, particularly on defense. Hey, look, and, at, look at Morgan Frost. He's got 100 points, just as an example. Yeah, the, yeah. Guy's, the guy's leading the OHL in scoring. So they, they, yeah, yeah. They, they don't like, they know where their future is. They've just got to ride out the wave of some dead money on, on the Hextall inherited yeah. and then they can start inserting these guys. I think he's, you know, I think it's surprising that he's there, but if, if Ottawa wanted a first and maybe something else, that deal gets done, but Ron yeah. doesn't have to do it. But the, but the problem is, is that, okay, it, you, for teams like Carolina and teams like Philadelphia, you've got a bulk, you've got a bulk of defenders. And the, I know that defensemen right now are gold in this league, but you can't play all of them especially when they're all around the same age range. You're not going to have, you know, five 22-year-old defensemen. You know, you, you have to have a few older ones, a few younger ones, some guys in the middle. Usually that's the way it works. And when you have an overload and you've got Hogg and you've got Provorov and you've got uh, Sanheim and Moran, and, you know, and I'm Gostomir. sure I'm missing a couple other ones, Russ. Yeah, Philip Myers. But the thing is, they're not all going to hit at once. Gudis's deal, I think, is up in a year. I think McDonald's is up in two. And so he's looking at all these guys and saying, if I just stand pat, I don't have to do anything on defense. I can focus on other things. Why am I going to mess with that now? Yeah. Well, not, I mean, not mess with it, but, but to the point of, you know, if you need a top six scoring winger, which I think everybody thinks Hoffman is, then, you know, there is a price to pay. Now, you know, okay, you could – could there have been negotiations here and it'll be Sanheim in a second or some other defenseman in a first? Who knows? It does. It sounds like they kicked tires, but they were looking for a bargain. And once they found out it wasn't going to be a bargain, they just walked. Yeah. I, I think, Mike, I also think there's sort of a funny psychological thing amongst Philly fans and the organization that for so long they made such quick and active moves to fix problems mm -hmm. that it got them into a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. And there is such a, I think there's, there's a, there's a cultural change of how they look at things. There's a strategic and tactical vision in that organization to not repeat the mistakes that they made for a while, because eventually when you start behaving the way Holmgren did and Clark did, you run out of moves to make and you, you trade yourself and you, you sign yourself into a corner and Ron well, Hextall. Think about this, Peter, you're right. Think about this. If you bring in that Hoffman contract, does that now sort of negate what you could offer Simmons? Maybe. Hey, who do you want, Hoffman or Simmons? I mean, right. And you know, that's a fair question. And and you know, in the other, like the other thing with Phil, uh, Philadelphia, as Russ, you said, like, you know, he doesn't have to do this because of what's coming off in two years, right. and you know, he's got it. Like, you know, Drew's getting older, Simmons is getting older. You've got to find your age gap. In, right. a, in a sweet spot and, and loading up and moving out youth for the wrong player. Cause if Hoffman's only got another two years, right. he's right back to square one of having to re-sign him. 
just like he's going to have to deal with with the cap space that he's going to get when he when AMAC and everyone's well, done. It could so be something. It could be something similar, Peter, to what is going on in Ottawa. Not, not that I think that the Philadelphia is is a is a chintzy organization, but when you have Hoffman who's on under contract for two more years, and you have Simmons under contract for one more year, you may be saying to yourself, "Okay, we've got the one year with both of them together, and we know that we can't afford to sign Simmons for what he potentially could be asking the following summer. So at least we'll be covered and have Hoffman for another year." See, but I think they know they could sign I, Simmons, I, and that's why yeah. they're not going for a guy like Hoffman. Okay. Yeah, I, I think they already know what Wayne Simmons and his agent are coming to the table with. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, Wayne Simmons could say, I love it here. I see the future in this franchise. I want to stick around, and you're going to get a little bit of a discount on me as long as you give mm -hmm. me a raise. And, and yeah. I think that's because Wayne Simmons also has to look at He's a valuable player. There, there there's 30 other teams in this league who would like Wayne Simmons on their team. It's who's the best fit for Wayne Simmons and on the right trajectory. Because he's got one last shot at this on a deal for term and dollars and being on the right team that's going to take him, give him a chance to win. He's well, got to well, be careful here, about here's that the too. Other thing. On the outside chance Frost can play in the NHL next year, where are you putting Hoffman? Yeah. Well, I mean, Frost will be a center. He's a center. Well, I don't think he'll break in as a center, though. Right. That's why I think he might. He might I mean, he'll be 19. I think he's staying in in the Sioux, Russ, and I think he'll probably go to the World Junior for Team Canada. I'm not, you know, he's he's been he's gotten himself, you know, in better shape. You know, not that he was in bad shape before, but he's a stronger player. But he's still not like he's not a big big player so i think well, we don't know we don't know what's going to happen when he comes in for for rookie camp and we don't know what it'll look like in september but the conversation is probably going to be there based on the domination that he's doing right now no i, I want to touch on because Eck wrote about how the sabers you know how the sabers could be very good soon and I question that being in Buffalo and watching this team and not watching them every game, but watching them enough to, to get a feel for the organization. Now they have in the, in, in recent weeks, you know, as Eichel has gotten hurt, they've beaten teams like that are way ahead of them in the standings with like Boston and Tampa. They're playing, they're going to play Toronto four times in the next month. And I'm sure they'll win their share of those games. And I think they're winning those games because these games are the only thing close to a Stanley cup playoff game that they're going to have. And, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, they're they're players playing for jobs right now, and I think that that's part of it. Um, but I look at this team, and 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 Russ, I look at the where the Sabers are. Middlestat will probably be on this team next year. I'm sure Jason Botter will try to make some changes because you know it need. I think you know season ticket. Uh, numbers are going down because this team keeps finishing 28th, 29th, 30th in the league. There's going to be changes. You can't blame this on Phil Housley, but I don't see it being very good quickly here. I, th I think it's going to take a couple years. It could take a couple years, but when they brought in like Danny O'Regan as an example, mm -hmm. he's 24 years old, so they didn't bring in a kid. Rodriguez is already having a pretty good year. Eichel, we know it's Eichel. If they want, they can reunite them all. They do that, that pushes everybody else down and all of a sudden helps helps them on offense. Middlestat will be there, so then Middlestat doesn't have to start on a top line if they don't want him to. And Gouley will probably be there. So that does help them a lot. Antipin will be gone, which is probably addition by subtraction. It's and they have money to spend, so they're going to pick up a free agent or two. It's all depending on what happens in net, and I still think at the end of the day, they're going to look at their options, and they're probably still going to tender a contract to Leonard, even even if they get somebody else, because at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to just hand the job to Allmark. I don't. I, I think one of the things is Buffalo enters the off season, they have to take a look and say it's bad now. Yes, and 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 we we have to accept that there's no quick fix, and it may have to get a little worse first before it gets better. Right. And that's that's what Bodrell's got to consider is that if the damage is done on terms of season tickets, returns, and stuff right now then you've got to give hope at this time next year. Right. And it may take that to do some things to get what you need from maybe draft picks or prospects later, but he's got to take a look at that when there's not the pressure of time with the trade deadline. There's not the, all the vultures around, not trying to help you, but to, to, to screw you over, so to speak. Right. When he can do things a little more on his terms,
And, you know, if he can find a way to unload Bogosian's contract, I mean, that's a sure. big if. He's got to do it, right? He's and gonna, well, the problem is that they want to buy, if they want to buy out that contract, uh, uh, Peter, they might not be able to because he's out for the rest of the year. Now, they, mm -hmm. they will have to prove that he's 100% healthy before they buy him out of the, of the final two years, and it wasn't any kind of front-loaded deal. So they're going to take a hit on that, and, and maybe they, they maybe they rely on the desperation of other organizations for, for a defenseman who's willing to give Bogosian a, a second chance. But yeah. the guy has been injured ever since he dropped he ever since he stepped off the plane from Winnipeg. He's been injured since his second year in the league. Yeah. And if you've ever read the book, um, Ken Campbell's uh uh it's called Selling the Game. And yeah. it's about the business of hockey and junior hockey and stuff. He actually does a really interesting bit on Bogosian. And he talks about how he was leaving Messina, New York and going up to Ottawa for training training sessions as a teenager. This might be a guy who simply burnt his body out way yeah, too early. Yeah, we've been talking about that forever. Overtraining. Yeah, I know it's yeah. been a topic before. And, you know, he's the kind of guy who, like, you know all the players in the first lockout in 2004, 2005, yeah. who said, the re like Solani said it, the reason I could keep playing longer because I had that year off. Bogosian's the kind of guy whose body just might need a year off. And remember, and, Bogosian, Bogosian was taken, bef taken before Peter Angelo. Yeah, he taken. He was taken third. Peter Angelo was taken fourth. Hey, Ak. Hey, 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 hey Ak. We're, we're talking about the Sabers, you know, because you wrote about them, and yeah. I, like, I, right I, there. Right there yeah. okay. No, I was just, I was just saying, I, you know, being here in Buffalo, taking the temperature of of the Sabers fan here, there's not a lot of optimism right now. I mean, I think, I, th I think Botterill, you know, I. I don't think they would have chosen him if he wasn't a capable general manager. He got what he could in the Kane deal. It was a it was a bad hand he was he was dealt in that respect. And they do have you know the Eichel is a player to build around, but there's questions in goal. And uh, Russ pointed out that you know Robin Leonard probably will get qualified because if they don't qualify him, he's a UFA and somebody will probably gobble him up. But I I think that they the organization likes Allmark and and you know I the and and Rochester has played pretty well this year and Allmark has had a pretty good season there. So I think yeah. he's at least going to split time with them. But right now they got to pray they win the lottery and get Rosmis Dahlin because they, they, that they need their defense has been in flux for about four or five years. And I think only the addition of a, of a, of a linchpin number one defenseman like Dahlin gets them out of the trouble that they've been in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. I, 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 mean, I read the article though, you know, just thinking, but sometimes, yeah, I mean, obviously the Sabres fans have been through such an emotional roller coaster, you know, um, and it's hard to, it's hard to see the, you know, forest to the trees, so to speak, when you're in that kind of situation. I mean, we've all been fans of teams like that or what have you. And it's, it's, you, you get to the point where this team sucks, you know, this is terrible. And and they've been on this ride back and forth, you know, um, to get, it look like they're getting a little bit better every year. I mean, this year we were all talking about, they were going to maybe, you know, push for a playoff spot. I mean that, that like 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 in Edmonton, you know, we we talked about that for years before Edmonton finally pushed for a playoff spot, and then they went back to not pushing for a playoff spot again. Um, but you know, I just think that you know I haven't watched that much Buffalo this year just because of the fact that you know we're watching as much as you can in different situations, and they haven't they've been out of out of it for the most part. But um, I watched them last night, and then I watched a little bit. You know, went back and watched a couple of their other games recently where they had had some success, and I just I think that. Sabres fans should be a little bit more optimistic than they are. I think that there there is wow. stuff there. There is talent there. There is speed there. There is. I yes. mean, they really should have won that game by a lot last night. I mean, they were they were much better than Tampa through right. most of that game. Well, this this is the thing. And if you look over your right shoulder, that is the reason why there is so much negativity in Buffalo right now. And that's because they look at Toronto. They look at the fact that Toronto started their rebuild after they did. That Toronto yeah. struck that, that Toronto struck out in the lottery in twenty six in twenty uh, uh, fifteen, got Mitch Marner. They got Eichel. Eichel is a is a very very good player. I don't think he's generational like McDavid, but I think he's uh, you know somebody to build your team around. But Toronto gets Matthews in twenty sixteen, and Matthews and Nylander and Hyman and Brown and everything has worked almost perfectly in Toronto. They're not a they're not a Stanley Cup contender after 2 years, but they're they're getting there. And in Buffalo, they made Tim Murray set this team back by acquiring Bogosian 
acquiring Kane, adding a ton of salary. He wanted he wanted to rebuild and and retool at the same time and quickly. And it was and it is an unmitigated disaster. Now they can climb out of it, but now Botterill is basically rebuilding this team for a second time in three years. That's what's happening. I don't know. I mean, first of all, I, I think that yes, the fans are always going to look at Toronto, but I don't think that I don't think that the management's looking at Toronto. Um, Not management, but the fa- the fans are, and, and, then- and that that's normal. I mean, just you know, like in Philadelphia, if the Flyers aren't good, and you know, or in Winnipeg, if the Jets aren't good, you're going to look at Calgary and Edmonton. You're going to look at the you know, you're going to look at the rivals you have, of course, and and see how they're rebuilding. But I think that. I don't think I think the two situations are totally different than each other. You know, like they're they're. I mean, these teams are only close in proximity to each other. I mean, besides that, there's nothing. There's nothing similar. I mean, there's no reason to compare them, and there's no reason to. Well, they, no. Didn't, they didn't. They tried. They, they tried to tank. You know, just like Toronto tried to tank, and you know, the ping ping pong balls didn't work out right for them. I mean, that's they're, the difference, right? So it's not fair. I mean, they should have McDavid. Or they really should. Toronto. Buffalo. I, you know, being from being from Buffalo, I know this for a fact. Buffalo, in, in terms of Toronto, has a, the, a massive inferiority complex. They always look at, at at Toronto as the reflection of what they either want to be or could be or whatever. It's that small town wanting to be the big town type of thing. And you know, like when the, when the Bills, when there was rumors about the Bills and John Bon Jovi uh, buying and Larry Tannenbaum buying the Bills and moving them to Toronto, Eck. John Bon Jovi better not step into Buffalo because he'll be assassinated. That's how much he's hated here now. No, because just because of, just because of that 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 perception. It is the he most gave football a bad name. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is it is one of, it is one of the top fan bases for hockey in the United States. You know, there's it's it's mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's better than some Canadian cities. It's 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 yeah. it's really solid. I mean, all around as far as you know, the amount of people that come to the website. I mean, for years now, the traffic has been crazy from Buffalo. It is a Canadian city. Uh, other than- and the fans love to talk hockey, and they lo- and they know what they're talking about. They're 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 a smart group, and I think that at the end of the day, you know that that that's what plays into this. But I just watching that last night, you just realized that you know it's it's a shame. I don't. I'm not going to agree that Botterold handled the Evander Kane situation well because I don't think he did. I, I honestly, well, only- I, I honestly don't think he did. I'm talking to other people who were around it. You know, I mean, he. There had to be another way, and I'm no Kane's difficult, but they're going to end up looking foolish for that trade. Uh, I don't know, foolish. I think that's kind of rough because yeah. they did get they did get two picks, albeit conditional, and they got a player O'Regan who will probably play in their lineup right away. That's not foolish. You know, when, when, I think with ahead. with that, the only reason if if Botterill ends up looking foolish is yeah. be, only because he waited too long. And he should yeah, have been yes. more proactive earlier no, with someone in teams and working to say find a way to get him out a little more creatively. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe he should have traded him when he was red hot at at the you know like at the beginning of January. That that that's that's possible. But honestly, mm-hmm. when one general manager and this is what Botterill said, when one general manager calls you up mm-hmm. at two fifty uh, on deadline day and says, "Okay, I'll take." Kane for this, there's not much creativity that you can generate as a general manager right. to get more. There has to be a bidding war, and because Kane- but you have to create that too. I mean, that's not you can't sit around and expect like that's not an acceptable answer to me. Like it, it's not well, say that one general manager called you. What were you doing with your time? You know, like yeah, I mean, but I think Kane's dip and play right. hurt everything and hurt everything. But again, okay, yeah, and that you can draw to, you know, could have moved him later, could have moved him earlier. I mean, could have made that happen, but you got to be a little bit, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have to be more proactive than this. If, if, if you're sitting back and they were sitting back waiting for the world to come to you is not going to happen. Well, I mean, I mean Peter, am, am I, am, am I overemphasizing the, the effect that Kane's off the ice shenanigans and locker room stuff that we've heard year after year after year, how it affects you know, other GMs and teams before the deadline, they don't want to no, add somebody who's a problem. I don't, I don't think you are, um, you know, and, and there was a lot of discussion um, prior to the deadline here and after about Kane and what was going to happen with him. Right. And the media here knows him well. And, and the one thing that was consistent amongst a lot of guys on the beat here was Evander Kane's a lot of things, but what he isn't is a slacker when it comes to his work ethic. 
Right. And they say there's only been one other Jet who works as hard at practice as Vander Kane, and that's Blake Wheeler. And it was there was there wasn't a dispute about it, right? In terms of that, he came into training camp as fit as anyone else. There was never a problem. Yeah. And so he's prepared to play hockey. It's what's between the ears. But you know what? Who is the leadership on Buffalo? Well, that's the thing. Now, well, now you pulled out with Joe Thornton. Right. The, lead, the leadership. The Look leadership. They did. Burns. You're exactly right. Look what they Look did. Burns. Burns. They had Thornton take him up in the airport. You saw what Elliot Friedman wrote today, right? No. Thornton showing up in a limo just like Marlowe did yeah. to him. That's the kind of thing that's going to. You know, and, and, and good on Joe. Like that's, yeah. that's being a leader. That's being smart. You're playing right in the Kane's wheelhouse. Right. And okay, here you go. He's in the sunshine. Is San Francisco, the Bay area, the, the ideal venue? No, he, he's more SoCal than NoCal. Right. But, but that's going to work with him. And you know what? Kane was out on the ice doing his thing. He had a great game. The, the yeah. watch. The leadership in Buffalo right now is a 20-year-old Jack Eichel. And the, and the thing is, a 20-year-old Jack Eichel and I believe a 22-year-old Sam Reinhardt, and the guy who had the most influence on them was Evander Kane. So there was not any leadership yeah. to keep Kane in check or to put him in a positive direction because yeah. he was, in a, in a sense, part of the leadership group. And that's probably part of the problem. Right. But, yeah. but going forward... Remember, Steve Greeley, who was there as the assistant GM, was part of – he was an associate coach at BU. You've yep. got Rodriguez. You've got O'Regan. They're 24 years old each. They know – they at least have experienced winning. Right. That's going to help the locker room with Kane gone, and I think that's what you have to look at too. And there's not – it's not a mistake that whenever Botterill – I mean, it was a minor deal, and I don't know how much of a leader he is. Probably not not much, but, it was, you know, Botterill brought in a guy like Scott Wilson – you know, because the guy won a Stanley Cup because he knows the character of the player in Pittsburgh, and you know he wants that winning mentality around. I mean that 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 will be the task in front of Bottero over the next couple of years is to weed out who has that losing mentality or is a problem, and, and that'll happen by attrition. Because I mean, I'm not saying Josh Georges is that problem, but Josh Georges is an older player. His expiring contract he moves on they move in younger players and they go in that and then hopefully they go in a positive direction and if that happens then i think ak you're right in a couple of years with talent coming in like middle stat yeah. they can turn things yeah, around I, i've been looking at middle stat you know like at the, i mean and he's obviously a stud i mean but last night i'm just looking at players that they have right now after trading evander Kane, um you know and and they're still not healthy either right now so i mean there's a lot there i mean the one thing i will throw out there just Throwing this out there is, you know, Phil Housley. Like, has he has he done the? Is he the right coach for this situation? That's that's something we don't know. We don't yeah. know, but it's tough to make chicken salad out of chicken bleed. See, I, I mean, don't. I'm not gonna buy that completely because the talent there is some talent there, and and I mean, and what we've seen not enough. What we no, after what we've seen in Vegas, come on, there there's no question that this team could be better. I'll yeah. say this next year if, if Gooley's up and they bring Will Borgen into camp yep. and they have a chance of having like a, a decent two defensemen coming into that mix, mm -hmm. then if Housley doesn't do well, then maybe there's something up. But again, and that's a little pressure on Borgen, but he's not like a kid. Right. Housley should be able to make their defense better. The one thing that's a concern for the Sabres though, Alex Nylander is not playing great in the American Hockey League. He's a he's their he's their 2016 first round pick. He was a top 10 pick. They need that player to step up and contribute, you know, going into his third professional season because he played he played in Rochester for a portion of last, last year and mm -hmm. and all of this year and then next year in his third year you know they need him to contribute it, and right now he's not—he's not showing the signs that his older brother William has shown in Toronto of being a difference maker. Yeah, no, that's true, yeah. and that's going to—that's going to do it for sure. Yeah. Now, Peter, I wanted to ask you about this because I—I I tuned in after after the Leaf game to the third period of that Winnipeg Nashville game. That game was insane. And, yeah. the one, and the one and you know the one thing about that, and we talked about this with Kevin yesterday, is the fact that that matchup more than likely is going to be a second round matchup. It's not going to be the Western Conference no. final, and that that stinks. That really stinks. But I'm looking forward to that matchup if it happens. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what? That was a game. No, no one's holding that game up as a as, as a masterpiece of how you want a, a game to go for either team. Right. Um, Winnipeg giving up two two goal leads, and you know Connor Hellebuck, how he had an off night. Like let's that that game normally doesn't get away from the Jets um, with Hellebuck. He let in probably two, maybe three goals he wants back. Right. But the, I think the interesting point in this, and it was talked about. Um, later was Subban and Shifley and Shifley wanting to drop the gloves and go with them. Subban kind of moving away from him. And, and then after Shifley kind of brushing off, just like, yeah, just whatever. And that says, it says a lot about Shifley and sort of where his game is and what he's and how he's looking at being a leader and a player in the league and that he's not going to take gruff from anyone. Right. And it sort of says a little bit about Subban that, you know, he was, willing to get into that kind of muck of of with with the top guy and risk taking the penalty to to play that kind of psychological game with them which those are the ingredients you salivate at for the playoffs and it could be a lot of fun and these two teams each have they still have two more games with each other one in nashville one in winnipeg so get ready yeah. I think they're going to be good, but I just don't think Winnipeg's at the level of Nashville, and that's going to be the problem. They don't have the level of, um, I don't want to say expertise, but really just veteran leadership. They still don't yeah. have enough of it, and I think, unfortunately, Nashville and, and these sort of big games, and if they ever do play them in the playoffs, that's going to be a big edge. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, home ice is everything, and unfortunately for Winnipeg, you know, that was a, that was a tough one to lose just for the points, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, that was a fun game. I was at the game. It was it was a raucous atmosphere in there. And Paul Stasny made his impact immediately. Yes. Yeah. Um the interesting thing about that was how Maurice is putting him out um first unit power play time, um, who he had him out with on shifts. Um, he had penalty kill time. And Stasny, you know, this is the thing, he found his holes on a new team in his first game and he had a great assist and he had a great goal. Yeah. And if that continues, you know, he could be that veteran leadership that isn't there too, Russ, that comes in and helps out as well. Now, Peter, but do you, think, that's why do you, think, do you yeah. think that you think they're sort of like, work, I mean, it's only been less than a week, but do you think like that shovel day off is like working on him to say, Hey, you know, it's going to be great here. We got a future, you know, like, no, That'll happen. I don't think I don't think he needs to do that. I don't I, I think they just want to play hockey. Okay. And if if Stasny's agent calls up Chevy and you know what? And Stasny's agent is the same agent for Blake Wheeler. Okay. You know, if they you know, and, and Blake Wheeler can be assigned after July July first too. So there might be lots of talking going on there. Um, just in general. You know, you never know, right? People tend to like Winnipeg a little more once you've been here, as opposed to just dropping in and spending, you know, and spending a night in the middle of January. And it's warming up. The city's going to be a little dirty with snow, and then it's going to be really nice. And you never know. Good. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who like Winnipeg a lot more than there's a, cer a certain hockey hockey players, especially um, that you know. That say they they want to play in places like Winnipeg or Edmonton, you know that that's what you hear a lot. I mean, there are, there are certain guys that are geared towards it. When you find that kind of guy, that's impressive. I mean, the Blues I know were really upset about the Stastny trade. Um, players were, and I'm yeah, all, I you can, all you can assume is that you know, and I I don't know if this has even been reported or whatever. I don't know. But all you can assume is that Stastny just said I'm not coming back, right? Like, I'm, there's no way I'm signing here again. I don't think it was that. I think it was the fact that the, that St. Louis had lost six games in a row. They, yeah, you know, but for what they got, that it has to be. I mean, they were so. This is this is a definite. We got to get something instead of nothing trade to me because there's no reason. There's I, no and, reason to like to do this trade otherwise. And when you're that close, you're still that close. And you, I mean, they really didn't get a whole lot um, back at all. You know, honestly. Well, you know what though? Eck, got first. They, I mean, they got a first, and there's a lot of guys who really like right. Eric Foley. Yeah. And Russell know Russell know a little bit about this, but the the I word, what I read out of St. Louis was they started talking to some of Foley's teammates, former teammates, some of the guys there, and they were glowing about this kid. And oh, he can play, he's got a great shot, he's got excellent speed. They still have to sign him though. Yeah, but they've got till 2020. I know. 
So, and, and, and I think that was part of one of the concerns is that, you know, the, I mean, if he stayed in college till 2020 for Winnipeg, okay. It buys him a little more time, but he was going to be buried in the depth. Like there was no question. And, and the way Veselinen's worked out in terms of what he's doing in Finland right now, Foley wasn't going to be there right. on that roster for some time. So it, it, it's a good use of an asset for him. And I think likely, you know, I don't know much about where Foley's from, but if he wasn't being talked out of to go pro yet, he's going to have a way better, I think a way better chance of thinking about going pro if he's in St. Louis's organization than with right. the Jets. Well, he was with, he was in the USHL and then he yeah. went to Providence and, and I got the feeling he probably would finish out Providence, but yeah. I think now he could finish out Providence. And I think there's at least the expectation he'll, he'll, he'll stay with St. Louis. Whereas I guess, Winnipeg either got the inkling he wasn't going to be there or didn't have a place for him. We don't know. Yeah, I think it's a little of both, Russ. In terms of drama in the last, you know, five weeks of the season here, you know, I I have to say we have to look to the West because if you look at the East right now, I mean, the Atlantic is complete. There's a there's a gulf between third place and 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 Florida. It's twenty points, so I don't think they're going to make up make that up. And if you look at the wild card race right now, you know New Jersey's got seventy four, and the team that's in ninth place has got sixty five. So that's that's going to be tough with twenty games. The only team I see that's out on the outside looking in right now that has a chance to catch up is Florida because they have three games in hand and they're only five points behind and Luongo is healthy. But other than that, Carolina, the Islander, I and mean, I think they're both going in the wrong direction. I don't see any race other than Florida catching up to one of the wild cards in the East. I'll say this. I was really disappointed watching the Islander game start and seeing that they're still just trotting out Halak. Like, that's it. That's They're going to live and die with Halak, and I just don't get it because last year Halak couldn't even see the ice for yeah. most of the season, and then he got called up. Like I just, I just, I wish I understood what they were doing there. And Barzell, they're just wasting a great season by this kid. He might win the Calder yeah. and might not make the playoffs. He's got 67 points, but he's starting to get to a point area that we haven't seen from a Calder guy in many, many years. And they may not make the playoffs. Right. It's absolutely crazy. And they could have done something for a goalie yeah. at the deadline, which is what's really sad about it. Eck, I, I I destroyed the Islanders yesterday. I think Garth Snow abrogated his responsibilities as a general manager. There should be more billboards up in Brooklyn asking for him to be fired because he didn't do his job. He traded a 38-year-old Chimera for a, for a 13th Ford and Chris and, and Wagner, and, and and he got Brendan Davidson, who's got more stamps on his uh, on his luggage than uh, well whoever. But you know, I'm just saying it's a, it's 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 just. It, 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 that's not what you needed to do. And honestly, he's given more fuel to the speculation of John Tavares leaving simply by his mismanagement of that team. I agree. And you know what's crazy about this, though? I was looking at the Islanders' schedule the rest of the way, you know? It's really not that bad. I mean, they honestly, like, the, look at who they're playing, and they could have made up ground. I mean, they are playing against some teams that they historically don't play well against. Yeah, they can't keep giving up three, four goals a game. That's the problem. They've got yeah. Montreal again coming up. Um, tomorrow. So they've got like a home and home sort of separated by a day with Montreal. And then they have Pittsburgh, which is going to be tough. But then you got Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. And then you've got back and back against Washington, which is going to be tough. But then you have Carolina and then Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. That's, that's, yeah, I'm not loving this for the Islanders. Not, no, no. It, and believe me, that it doesn't play out well, like in my projected standings, because these are tough games, but they're not impossible. Like, because then you got Ottawa, Toronto, New Jersey. The Rangers, Detroit. I mean, it's you know, well, and basically Philly. So I mean, it's a tough. I guess I don't think the opposition really matters with with the Islanders. It's what they need to do to correct the flaws that are just inherent in that team. And it's either get a get find goaltending now, which has to come from within the organization. They need a goalie whisperer in their toot suite. Yeah, and they need some defense. Like they need well, something that's, that's going to stop them bleeding through. The they're game. playing on their schedule are good offensively. You know, what I mean, they're, unfortunately they're now for the Islanders, since they didn't do much at the deadline and and haven't shown much since then, the narrative for Tavares going to the Rangers has in, is increasing in New York because yeah. 
For the sure. Rangers are making moves to make their team better. They're clearing cap space. Right. This story is not going to go away for a while. No, it's not going to go away at all. I mean, it's and not going to go away until everything's done. I mean, they are, they are, they Unless are. Unless Tavares comes out and signs with the Islanders, it won't go away. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not going to go away. And if he goes, if he goes cross town, Russ, that's an arrow in the heart of Ledecky and and, and Snow. I mean, that that is the worst possible outcome for oh. them to lose him to the Rangers. They may as well pack up their ba- pack up their bags and go and and go someplace else with their tail between their legs. The only way they can recoup, Mike, is if they realize before the draft that he can't, he's not going to resign. They could at least trade his rights to the Rangers and get one of their first round picks. <laughs> yes, that that's true. And, you know, now and I think is, the Rangers would do that. Oh yeah, yes. they would. Do it. Yeah, no, they definitely would. Uh, I mean, they, there's no question. I mean, the other thing about them that's kind of is kind of crazy with the Islanders, and they're in a, they're in a worse situation than the Sabers in a lot of ways. Like I was looking at these two teams. I mean, oh, I don't know. I don't think. If I, how could you say that? No, just because of the players that they actually have signed and the players they have moving forward. I mean, it's like there's the Islanders. The Islanders have, you know, besides obviously Tavares, you know, you've got to deal with the fact that they only really have um, Boychuk and Letty on defense, you know, really signed. I mean, that's it. So, I mean, well, they, 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 Mayfield is signed. Yeah. They extended their depth, guys. They, yeah, they, they, they extended their depth, guys. Josh Horsine should be with the team next year, I would believe. Or or with somebody else, and they, at least they get something for him. Pulak, I think, is a top four defenseman. Pulak's a top four. I, I, they're in better shape than Buffalo. They just need a goalie. I mean, but, but – uh, Hans, Hans RFA, Hickey's RFA. These guys are RFAs. You sure. Know? I mean, they're UFAs. I mean, sorry, yeah. they're UFAs. It's like that's the – they, I mean, there's going to be changes in Buffalo. I, I was told. I was told by a by a Buffalo reporter that don't be surprised if Ristolainen is traded during the offseason because you know, that would be crazy if they did well, that. I still don't see. I agree. I agree. If if Ristolainen is on the market, I hope Lou Lamorello has got Jason Botterill on speed dial. I'll take him right now. That because yeah. he'd be he'd be a guy I'd put in my top two or top. And of course, the analytics crowd thinks I'm insane by saying that because they think Ristolainen is a no. Is but a- here's the thing, Mike. You wouldn't take him right now because the same names that come up. And every other trade talk, you're going to say, "I don't want them," and then you're not going to get them. Nobody's going to trade Marner and Marner and Neilander. Somebody, somebody will make a big trade for Ristolainen. Somebody will, and it just well, won't yes. be the Leafs. Right. Well, if not, if they're asking for Marner or Neilander, because well, this is the happening. thing. But this is. Do you not understand? This is to me the quadri now that the Leafs are in with Lou Lamarillo. Anytime a big name is going to come up. And they go through these names, and Lou says, "You can't have them. You can't have them." The Leafs aren't going to get these guys. Yeah, and then the only Not thing until they're willing to give one up, or or they find some team that is willing to take lower a lower player in a deal for like somebody who like. And I'm just speculating here. Tyson Berry's name has been out there in Colorado for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and you know maybe now that they've added Gerard and they have. Johnson on the long-term deal. Makar is on, is coming along. Maybe they're prepared to move him because he's making five and a half million bucks. I could see the Leafs getting in on him and not having to give up a Marner or a Neilander. So that's probably the that's situation. Fair. Yeah, that's probably the situation. But that's that the level left. they're going to get. They're not going to get that next level without giving up one of those guys. Right. I that's agree. what the market is. I agree. And that's all true. That's very true. Eck, I want. I wanted to because. Russ retweeted something, and I thought it was pretty hilarious too. Uh-oh. Was the was the Adam Silver edict against painting? <laughs> this, you know, okay, 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 Uncle Fester. You know, because this is this is this is ridiculous. He finds Mark Cuban six hundred thousand dollars because he openly said we're tanking. I'll tell you right now, Montreal Canadian fans are pissed off at the possibility of Carey Price coming back early from the concussion because they think there's a possibility they could get a, t- a bottom three or a bottom four pick and get and have a chance at winning the the lottery and getting Rasmus Dahlin. And Price, because he's a great goaltender, could screw that up. It's true. That's true. I mean, I, I, I this is. Such a long discussion. Uh, tanking is so like you know you know what you know my feeling on tanking. We talked about before. I, I really think there needs to be something something done about it. Tanking I mean, is a tool. Well, what could a commissioner do? Act for six hundred thousand to Mark Cuban is a joke. It right. means nothing. They'll give him the charity. No, I mean I completely agree. I mean he'll he'll gladly pay six hundred thousand dollars for the first pick. Whatever yeah. it doesn't really matter. Here, I mean that's the, the issue. No, the issue is that they need we need we've talked before about solutions. There needs to be some other solution. Um, besides, there isn't. It's, it's gotten better with the with the. They definitely have improved it. 
Six hundred thousand dollars to Mark Cuban. That's my equivalent right here. Five. The only, right. The only the only improvement to this is not talking about it and still doing it because there's so many teams in so many sports that are doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. It's it's always going to be done. Um, it, you know, unless you come up with another way. You know, like there's. And, and you're gonna you're gonna penalize Cuban six hundred thousand dollars for him being honest and saying we're tanking, and then the completely blatant job that Philadelphia the seventy sixers have done over the last couple of years, you know, oh, yeah, trading yeah. the rookie of the year in his second year. Right. Come on, give, yeah, give, give me. We didn't know they were tanking then. No, and there are fans. You know, like you you're watching the Montreal game last night. You know, against the Islanders, they're they're going nuts when their team's scoring, and it's like, and that's okay. And that that was it was always true with Toronto too. Like there are fans that don't buy into this. I mean, they know the big term thing, but they're also you're paying a lot of money to go watch your team play. You want to see them win. There you know, are like, that, that does happen. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's not you can't sit back and say this is so. This is this is just great. Like you know, everybody's in on this thing because they're not. Not everybody. No, no, players aren't. But you could eliminate the possibility of winning. By getting rid of a lot of roster players, that's how you do it as a GM. If you Tim, want to do it, Tim, Tim Murray. Tim Murray basically said, "35 saves for Jonas Enroth, You've been traded to Dallas." Right. That's what he did. He, right. he made it impossible. You know, and don't tell me that there. You know, there, I mean, yes, sure. There are a lot of fans out there who are sitting in front of a TV with a six pack of Labats on a Saturday night, and all they want to do is see the Leafs win. I get that. I understand the mentality. But I tell you right now, act. In 2015, when the Le when the Sabers played Arizona, I'm in a sports bar in downtown Buffalo, and when Arizona scored the goal in overtime, everybody stood up and cheered. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. You get to that point, and yet, and look how it worked out. You know, I mean, they got Eichel, but they didn't. You know, I mean, and 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 it could have worked out. I mean, the Leafs didn't get McDavid either, and the Leafs tried to tank that year too. So, sure. I mean, everything. But they started late. They started in January, and they, they got. Did. But if that, but you know, if they were the worst team in the world, they would have had the same amount of ping pong balls as Buffalo, and they wouldn't yeah. have gotten it. So, yeah. you know, the bottom line that that's what would have happened. So, you know, they wanted you wanted to be the second worst team in the league. And, that year, and I, be, I believe, I believe when the, uh, the the last lottery ball for Matthews was selected, the team that had the best chance was Montreal. And imagine the change. Yeah, imagine, I mean, everything changes. I, I was at, I was at the the great. The great draft after the lockout in, in New York City, you know, it, it was it was crazy. It was there was a Sidney Crosby lottery, you know, where every team had a chance, and they, every team had, and it came down to Anaheim and Pittsburgh. Remember, and that's what you know, Pittsburgh ended up with Bobby Ryan, and and I mean, Anaheim ended up with Bobby Ryan. And Pittsburgh. Yeah, that draft was in Ottawa. That was a closed one. Yeah, the closed draft. But I was at I was at the actual lottery, which they held in New York. No, you were at the lottery part. Got it. Yeah, yeah, where they actually had they actually it was it was like the big. It was a big press conference to announce that the lockout was over, and they also did the lottery while they were at it. Right, right, right. Um, is what happened. That's <laughs> kind of what it was like. So it was funny because we were all in one room. The lottery was in another room, which we couldn't be in, but it was right next to us. Um, and they were equally sized rooms. It was very funny. So I'm like, okay, we're all going to stay here. They walked us past so we could see the ping pong balls and the whole thing. And then they put us in the other room. So they were in a sound. <laughs> but it came down to, and it was cool because everyone had a chance. It was kind of fun. They, they did it in a really good way. But you know, at the end, but of the you day, know, you look at it. At the end of the day, teams are always going to try and get these top picks. Look what St. Louis did. Remember, I said that I forgot what draft it was—the Carolina draft. When I spoke to a St. Louis writer, and it wasn't Rutherford, but it was somebody else, and he was so happy that they got into the playoffs to lose in the first round. And I'm like, why in the world would you want to limp into the playoffs when you could have drafted higher? And this year, St. Louis took care of that. They said, you know what? Things aren't going well. I'm going to make the deals I need to make. If we make the playoffs, great. But if we don't, I'm at least making things better for the future rather than limping into the playoffs to only lose in the first round. And they got, a, and they got another first-round pick for a guy they probably weren't going to re-sign for seven, $7 million bucks, and that's the way you rebuild teams. That's how you do it. Yeah. Well, St. Louis is too good. You can't. I mean, the other difference you have to remember is there's a couple players that are like – 10 times better than everybody else in the draft, right? So you get this situation that, you know, if you're going to finish, if you're going to the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth pick or whatever, you'd much rather be in the playoffs. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense because well, the I, think, I think the cutoff for this draft would be after the eighth pick to be in the playoffs. That's what I think. St. Louis, and here's a, a guy you know very well, Ak. St. Louis's number one goalie the last 25 games has been Carter. I know, Putt. Carter has taken care of apart. I know, I got to give him credit. He's doing a great job. He's always been a great goalie. And um, <laughs> but I think unfortunately that, it proves what we've always thought about Jake Allen, Allen that he's too inconsistent. No, but the exactly. thing is this: 
to me, I will always tell you the experience that the rest of the team gets by going to the playoffs is better than the seventh or eighth pick overall. I just, I just, can't, I, I, can't. I would disagree. I, I really, I think you're, I think again, I don't know. I the really, worst, I will never understand that because I've seen what teams go through. Like the fact that, so say, let's say Toronto doesn't get to the playoffs last year. They they just fall out of it and they get a pick that who they, who would they have gotten? You know, you could figure well, out. Well, the, 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 the one for the one fortunate thing about the about the Leafs is that the guy that a lot of people thought was the guy that they should get that they thought they had no chance of getting, because he was probably going to be a top five pick, slipped to number seventeen. So they had their cake right. and eat, and ate it too. They got that was Lillibren. a lucky situation. That was a very lucky situation. Okay, but get that. but the, after. It's some the Leafs are in such better shape right now going into the playoffs than they would have been if they didn't go in the playoffs last year. If this was the first chance to go. So in the if, if I'm a G, excuse me, if I'm a GM and I can make the playoffs and I'm going to either get swept or lose four to one, yeah. or I could get you know Quinn Hughes or Oliver Wallstrom, someone I can have for the next 15 years, right. I'm taking the player. Absolutely, mm. the worst place to be is 12th. 13th or 14th yes. in the first round. You may as well met you, you know, the you know, or 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 just could potentially get hurt who could potentially be a bust versus the experience of 25 players. I don't, yeah, care. I don't care. I don't I don't, I don't care, care about the experience of 25. I care about the experience care is important, about winning. but I care about winning. That's all it, right. it, all they should care about is winning. And sometimes it's necessary to take a step back to take two steps forward. I'm going to use this against you, Eck. How did the playoff experience for Edmonton help them this year? No, I mean, there's no question it didn't help them this year. The Edmonton. Well, but that's the, that's the, the, the point of it. Other issues, you in know. Fact, so, but at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, I mean, you're going to get. I mean, is Edmonton going to be better by getting the ninth pick or going to the playoffs? I'll tell you what. To go into that playoffs, even if they don't get back this year, they're going to eventually get back to the playoffs, and it's not going to be McDavid's first time in the playoffs. No, and that's but it doesn't matter that. But in fact, it crippled them because based on the playoffs, they signed Dreisaitl to eight and a half million right. on a long-term deal, and that right now looks like a little right now, bit of a miscalculation. Really to say that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. I think he's a good player, but I he heard, is a good player. I, but I, the playoffs I, inflated his value. It right, did. and I've heard criticism, and I've heard people say he's not a center; that he he translates better to a wing. And if you spent eight and a half million dollars on a winger. You know, Toronto, Toronto learned their lesson about Phil Kessel. Is Phil Kessel a Stanley Cup champion? Sure. He's won two Stanley Cups. Is he a great player? Sure. Is he a, is he a, a franchise a foundation piece? Not a chance in hell. He's a complimentary player. That's all he is. And he's a great one. But if you expect him to be a building block for your team, your team is going to miss the playoffs like the Leafs did for most of the time that he was in Toronto. Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I don't know. I will, I will not be able to be sold in this one. I, I just I will agree to disagree, um, because honestly, I just I think that there is such a there is such a benefit of the attitude around an entire team when they are a playoff team versus not a playoff team. Even if they now, and the only and the only caveat I will say is, okay, you're talking about making the playoffs or getting Connor McDavid. Yes, there's a difference there. If you're talking about getting, you know, Eichel, but if you're talking, but if you're talking about a generational player, okay, I'll take the generational player over the experience of of my team in the playoffs. But but for like the guys who are you know eighth or tenth, and even if they're good players, they're not generational players. I think that that's you know because we don't get generational players even every year. So it's like you know, to me, it's all it's all about scouting though, Eck. It's all it's it all. Is. I don't think making the playoffs did anything for Edmonton because by the time they do get back again, half of the players that made the playoffs or even young players, they're going to be gone. The only thing that will be left will be those core pieces and Cam Talbot and a few players. Right. Yeah, no, they had to, but they, they they made it made everything to Edmonton because if Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs again last year, then that 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 whole team's confidence is shot forever. I mean, they had to make the playoffs at some point. They had to they had to get in there, and it, it's like what's sure. the, I mean, what's so I mean, unless you think this is just completely the wrong team that they have on the ice, um, and making the playoffs, well, not the know. right team. I'll say that we but, know but, that. But see that I, I you know making the playoffs for and I'll I'll use a different sport as an example. Buffalo, the, the Bills missed the playoffs for 17, 18 years in a row since 99. Right. They make the they make the playoffs this year. Great. Now everybody's relieved. Thing is, the team is going to be dramatically different this year than it was last year. So it's meaningless because no, they ended the, they ended the streak or they ended the skid 
but okay, so what? Now it's a different. It's going to be a different team, and you're starting from scratch. And that's what happens with with with, with hockey teams football, as well. Football starts from scratch way more than hockey does. I mean, hockey. Like, they, 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 I think that hockey. You know, most of the players that made the playoffs last year, the Oilers are still on the play. Are still on the Oilers now, and you know, some of them aren't, but most of them are. You know, and. Mm -hmm. Some of them have let them down, and some of them haven't played well, and then they've had different issues for sure. And, and they'll have a few of them won't be there next year. What was that? And a few of them probably won't be there next year. No, a few of them might not be there this year, but still, the, your key players got a year of playoff experience under their belts. Like that, that, that matters. Darnell Nurse, you know, that'll help them when they're on the golf course. It will. <laughs> it'll help them when they get back to the playoffs eventually. Yeah, it, it'll it'll help them when the general manager and the coach are packing up their boxes when they're leaving in the summer. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Um, we'll, we'll talk. Anyway, it's always a good debate, but I got to go. Um, thanks so much for watching, everybody. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon.com slash hockey. We really appreciate those of you who do. Um, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Lots of games tonight. Enjoy them.